Molten Salad Season 1, Episode 15. Welcome to the Molten Salad Podcast. Thanks for joining. I'm James. We're ordinary Americans, living the right way, doing the right thing. But 2020 has turned our world upside down. Toxic dualism is filling the air, and we're caught right in the middle. But there's got to be a way out somehow. I'm a lawyer, so people see me as an intellectual handyman. What can I do to help? Join me as I talk to my friends and learn from them as I explore a third way out. If I have to lose my pride or be open minded when I wasn't before, then so be it. This is our society and this is our time to do something positive. We hope to start small and end big. This is the Molten Salad Podcast. Continuing my conversation with Tom about Christian dating. In part two, we give you our number one brainstorming exercise to help you find more matches. We discuss online dating, what it means to be yourself, the challenges of interracial dating, where to take a first date, ghosting, and much more. Recorded October 17th, 2020. I know, I know for me, if uh, I've done, I've also done a lot of uh, self improvement stuff in my 30s. Um, I have uh, taken drastic action to address what I felt were weaknesses in my life. So, you know, everything from, uh, uh, joining a swim club when I was in Kansas to uh, training for half marathons and full marathons. I did a triathlon once. Um, so I really did, you know, address what I felt were weaknesses in my life. Also, you know, having lived in Kansas and New Mexico, uh, stepping out of the the Asian bubble that exists in California, it's I'm really grateful for it because uh, it has forced me to step out of that bubble and learn how to interact and form relationships and be friends and work together with people that are different races and cultures than me. Um, I used to be the the angry Asian man that would complain about uh, systemic racism uh, against Asians. I complained about that back before it became mainstream today. Um, this was back around 2000. Um, but I know one thing, one big thing I've done to overcome that for myself uh, is to step out of my comfort zone uh, and be in places where uh, I am forced to uh, form relationships with uh, people that are uh, different backgrounds than me. Um, if you're if you're shy, you know um, now is a great time because online dating is commonplace. Um, I think uh, one huge tip I've learned is um, on in the about me section. Every app has an about me section. Don't brag about your job and your education and your car and how you have a nice family and how you have two dogs and how you traveled everywhere. Don't brag about yourself, Indy, about me. Use that space to address the woman you're looking for and describe what you are looking for. So my about me section does not describe me at all. It, I'm, I'm basically describing what I'm looking for. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking for someone upbeat who enjoys life. I'm looking uh, for us to be a supportive community. Um, I want to enjoy a sport or activity together and explore the world around us. Bonus points if you like foreign languages and cultures. So yeah, I don't, I, I don't describe really so much describe me as describe what I'm looking for. Now, where I describe me is my photos. So I have you know my travel photos and I have my running photos and I have a photo of me diving at the California Science Center Aquarium. Your photos are where you um, show that you have an interesting life, uh, which is important. Um, you mentioned this, the self-improvement. The reason why self-improvement is so important is because you're trying to cultivate a more interesting life for yourself because I don't know about you, but for me, I'm, I'm drawn to women that I feel uh, have, have interesting lives. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'll piggyback off that too and say, you know, my advice for online dating, especially in the era of apps that we're in now, where it's like these swipe style apps that people are using on smartphones, really the, they say less is more. Um, I also, in online dating apps that I use, um, you know, I've done a number of them actually, just to, you know, once again, I, ha I had to relearn online dating after my last relationship ended. Um, and I found that online dating had completely changed now with smartphones and, and these app swipe style dating sites. Um, I've learned that really less is more when you're with your profile right up, J just put in your basic information that they have you fill out, you know, your ethnicity, your education, your location, your height, your, um, 
And then also in my body and my profile, I also just have like a few bullet points, um, just like saying, I think I just have listed a couple of my hobbies and what I do for a living. And then kind of a funny line that I have about what kind of woman that I'm looking for. And that's it. And then yeah. I have my pictures. And like you said, really, really, it comes down to your pictures. And um, my advice to both guys and girls, because I've also looked at a lot of girls' profiles, of course, being a guy, my, my advice to both sexes is if you can afford it, go out and get with a professional photographer and get some headshots, get some pictures taken. You can do this for 200 or 300 bucks, um, maybe even less than that, depending upon what city you live in. You can get a friend who uh, is an avid photographer to get uh, if you've got a cool semi-pro photos. Good photographer, exactly. They got a good digital camera and they know what they're doing. Get them to take some good pictures of you that show your best features. Um, you know, go through your vacation albums on your computer, wherever, and find the best few pictures that you can get of yourself to get at least five or six good photos, you know, you want at least a couple pictures showing your best features and, you know, a few pictures of you, you know, out doing, you know, some of the things that are your passions, traveling or, you know, with your pet, and, your dog, your, your instrument that you play, whatever, you know. And ladies, for the, for the love of God, please, no more mouse filters, no more Mickey Mouse filters or like strange color filters, no landscape photos, please of just a landscapes and not you i date women i don't date landscapes yeah yeah we're not in eighth grade anymore <laughs> um and one um big uh, epiphany i had um i think just this year early this year is you know i really with my tip to everyone is you know with a friend with a good friend really brainstorm what type of a person of the opposite sex is attracted to the type of person you are. So, you know, Tom, what type, what, what type of a woman would be attracted to the type of man you are, Tom? So, you know, be comprehensive. Like, so what kind of a woman would be attracted to your education, your ethnicity, your family situation, your occupation, your hobbies, um, the uh, things you do for leisure, uh, you know, your, your politics or lack thereof, your religiosity or lack thereof, um, you know, whether you want children or not, um, um, like what kind of a setting that you want to live in in the future, what type of a woman would be attracted to all these things? And, yeah. and when you start brainstorming this, like it really, um, it's really revealing. Like you, you start narrowing it down to a certain type because I know, I know like I've made the mistake of casting my net too wide. And unfortunately you would think that's a good thing, but what happens is then you just start like dating whoever comes your way. And there's all, it's always with women that you are completely unsure about. This is a good way to narrow that, narrow that search so that you are searching for women that um, have a good chance of, of matching with you over the long run and can understand and appreciate the type of person you are. Yeah, so I, I think um, early on, if you're like a shy guy or a shy girl, um, you know, like if you go on a dating app, it's good advice to cast a wide net. You're, you're at square A and, and I'm just gonna be honest with you, that's where you are. That's where I was 10 years ago. And, you know, like I said, I was telling myself back then, I'm willing to at least have a date with pretty much anyone. <laughs> and th that's good at that point when you're just kind of starting. If you have some experience and you have had relationships, you have dated some, it, this is a good exercise, James. And, and like, you know, you told me about your exercise and what, what you learned. You, you got some revealing insights from it of, you know, like I did this exercise too, actually, years ago. And, and it also gave me some revealing insights where it's like, oh, you know, so that's why I don't do well with girls who haven't been to college. <laughs> you know, it, it, it really gave me some key insights, you know, taking an honest look at myself of, you know, trying to imagine, you know, what kind of females are going to be into a guy like me, my appearance, my pedigree, my personality, my interests, my image that I put out, like think about those 
pictures on your dating profile or just, you know, if you meet women in real life, even what kind of, what kind of essence do you have? You know, like this will help you to also even figure out what essence you're projecting. And, you know, you'll find out more about maybe what types of girls like you and that maybe you should reconsider if you haven't been considering those types enough. Or if, if you do this exercise and learn, well, you know, I, the kind of girls that like me are not the kind of girls that I like. Well, if that's the case, then you're going to have to be honest with yourself and make some changes. You're going to have yeah. to change that essence yeah. because yeah. your yeah. essence, your image, your profile pictures, your personality, those things are attracting a different type of woman from what you want. And so like it or not, you're just going to have to do the work to start making some changes, some self-improvement. And I know thanks to that exercise, I have made changes. And you mentioned going back uh, when it comes to types of women that I didn't consider before. Um, I Back in the past, I did uh, try to date interracially because I liked that women of I liked that, you know, Caucasian women were exotic to me um, from my perspective. But because of this exercise, I have realized that, you know, a, a nice Korean lady uh, that has an academic background and a professional career and, uh, you know, understands, is more likely to understand um, my academic prof background and career and family situation and cultural situation and my religious struggle and, uh, um, the 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 things that I have the way I grew up and that's and I've realized you know a, a nice Korean lady is more likely to understand me uh, understand the type of guy that I am and lo and behold when I when I made the choice to um, pursue Korean women instead granted I haven't met my wife yet but the interest level in um, online has definitely gone up I'm at the point where I'm no longer uh, feeling scarcity in this area. And um, it's a great thing because uh, once once you're at the point where um, dates are, you're, once you're at the point where you're confident that, hey, if it doesn't work out with this lady, it won't be very long until I find my next one. Um, that's a great point to be in because then it takes, it takes so much of the edge off, doesn't it, Tom? And you can be much more confident in, in the dates that you're going on. Um, uh, and be more present in them. Yeah, that's, and that's crucial too. Um, you know, having that kind of confidence and that's really where it comes from, you know, that, you know, confidence doesn't come from nowhere. Um, it, it seems like, like a lot of church mega pastors, the, the televangelist types, um, you know, there's just other also secular non-religious, you know, people that promote, you know, like success, or I, I call it success porn, you know, like you can, you know, you can do these things, you gotta find this deep inner confidence. And you know, you can go start your own business and make millions. You know, you, you hear these things sometimes with speakers at like career day or workforce development or whatever. The, the reality is, is like, confidence doesn't just come from nowhere. I mean, confidence is just thoughts of remembering the last time you tried doing this and you succeeded at it, you know, that, that you've had past positive experiences doing this. And therefore you can say to yourself, I can do this again. It comes from actions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It comes from past successes. And so, you know, like you said, once you've, you know, gotten out there and, and know that you can meet, you know, women that you can connect with. And even if it doesn't work out with this particular one, there's always another option. You can always go generate more options. Yeah, definitely. Well, we, we haven't talked about what the church can do differently. Um, you know, thinking about it, it's really difficult to save sex for marriage for that long. I think it's possible, you know, if you're, if you marry at 18 or if you marry at 21, uh, really young, um, the Bible was written. We forget that the Bible was written at a time when there was no dating and people had arranged marriages at around, you know, 14 years old. You know, we definitely don't have that anymore. We're now at a point where, you know, in, in cities like LA and New York, um, people aren't married until, you know, well into their thirties, possibly 40. Um, so, you know, let's face it, you know, not, I'm not blaming anybody, you know, but it's really difficult to hold off on sex that long. 
I think one thing that the church needs to uh, think think differently about is really preparing young people to be married at an earlier age and enough with this adult adolescence and exploration uh, thing. Um, I know looking back, you know, I, I regret going on it a little too long. Um, what do you, what are some of the things you think the church churches can do differently to facilitate more marriages? Yeah. So, so this is where I kind of, you know, like, how can I say this? Um, th this is where it kind of gets into like a really high level discussion of, you know, when should people get married and, you know, how should, how should we help, you know, people get married, help Christian people. Let's at least be speaking to the Christian community here. Um, I, uh, my honest opinion is that people nowadays, we, we've kind of gotten to a tipping point where if, if you want to get married and have like a traditional relationship, a traditional family that assumedly includes biological children of your own, you, you do kind of have a time window to do that in life. If you're a, a woman, you, you definitely have a, a time window. You literally have a biological, you know, time frame in your life to do that, especially for the having kids part. It's my opinion that we've really gotten to a kind of a tipping point where people are getting married later and and getting married really later than they should be or, or at the very latest they should be. Um, you know, if you're, you know, females by the time they're 30 years old are, you know, already well past prime age for childbearing. Um, you know, once they're past 35, it, it really becomes way harder for them to conceive children. Um, and also for men, you know, you, you don't, you probably don't want to have to wait longer than any longer than you have to, if that's what your goal is in life is to become a Christian husband and family and have kids. Yeah. And I, I know, I know, uh, you know, people tell me, you know, James, like you don't need to rush, like, cause as men, you don't, you don't need to rush biologically like women do, but wait a minute, you know, because I'm trying to meet women that have these biological limitations. So the, the biological clock affects me indirectly as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. And, and there's other ways that men also have, in a sense, a biological clock. We, we all get old, um, you know, as a man, especially if you wanna not just have a girlfriend or a wife, but if you wanna have children, you, know, you wanna be around to teach your children things or play with them or, you know, show them how to play ball in the yard and you don't want to be too old to the point where you can't really do those things anymore by the time your kids reach that age. Oh, so, I still got a lot left in the tank when it comes to sports, Tom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So do I, James. And, and, you know, it's also true that people in our generation, they say, are, are going to be living longer. And you can kind of already see that. I, there are a lot of people that are, you know, over 30, men and women, who are in great shape, who look good for their age. Um, you know, who exercise. And I think with modern medicine and modern access to, you know, nutrition and lifestyle, I, I think there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be living longer in our generation. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, again, you know, especially for women, their, you know, window of time to conceive biological children hasn't changed. That, yeah. that still, you know, has a certain hard fixed window to it should and, churches so should churches have um you know uh, 30s 20s 30s 40s ministries are there different things that should should we uh tweak our sermons a little bit are there things that uh the church used to teach that it's no longer teaching anymore that need to be brought back um do you have any insight into that well um I, I do think that churches need to, like we've established earlier, there's, there's a lot of obsession in churches about like trying to eliminate sexual sins. I, I think churches also need to start ramping up more messages, more sermons, more outreaches or ministries, whatever have you, to also encourage the you know people who are on the opposite end of the spectrum getting people 
you know, showing them, teaching them, you know, like we've talked about here, self-improvement for men. And there's also self-improvement for women. Um, you know, like we say, men are generally the ones who do the pursuing, but also, that doesn't mean if you're a woman that you can just, you know, never lift a finger and do anything. I think as a woman, you, you also have to put yourself out there. You have to make yourself available for a guy. You have to learn, you know, the certain social skills to let a guy know that you're interested, you know, drop the metaphorical handkerchief, the hanky. Um, you know, put yourself in the right places where you can meet the kind of man that you're looking for. So, so really it goes both ways for both guys and girls for self-improvement. And that's one area that I think the church could improve on is just, you know, singles ministries where they literally, you know, get into self-improvement, teaching men how to be more attractive, more masculine, how to hone their masculinity. Um, and, and, you know, in women's singles groups teach women, you know, femininity, how to make yourself more alluring, more attractive. There needs to be a little bit more blunt, you know, red pill truth conversation in churches, I think, about the differences between the two sexes, what the two sexes are attracted to, and then, you know, how you can self-improve if it's your goal yeah, to... I you know, attract someone of the opposite sex, have a traditional relationship, get married and have kids. The, these are some, you know, here are some ways that you're going to do that. This, these are the tried and true ways that our ancestors knew about, you know, years ago. And, and um, I think we've, we have kind of lost those things in the church. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, you have a good point because um, you know, it's, it's one thing to talk about, you know, uh, theology and surrendering to God, but we haven't, we don't break it down and, and ask ourselves, like, what does it look like to wake up tomorrow and say, I surrender? What is, what, uh, what does it exactly mean to surrender? Because it clearly doesn't mean to just sit at home. And, and, you know, um, another thing that people talk about all the time is, you know, have confidence, you know, have confidence. Well, what does it mean to be confident? What is, what, what do I do differently when I wake up tomorrow to be more confident tomorrow? So there's definitely a disconnect between advice and a series of action steps to translate that advice into something that brings results. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, like the, the phrases, you know, like give it to God or, or surrender I think like with the word surrender, like, you know, it's like you're surrendering something. I think that maybe applies to if you're coming from a background where you have been dating or, or you're just getting out of a divorce or you have some experience and it's been bad and it's been ugly. Maybe in situations like that, you're in a situation where you need to just surrender this or maybe take time off from dating. You, you maybe just need to take some time off and surrender that. I, I don't even know if I would use that word for a lot of other Christians who are, you know, just kind of these Christians who are perpetually single or late bloomers, shy guys and girls. I, I wouldn't even tell them to surrender it to God. I would, I would use some other word, you know, like, um, act in faith. I, I can't think, yeah, active faith or, um, you know, adventure, you, you said that God is a God of adventure. Um, uh, be willing to trust God. No, don't surrender this dating life to God, but maybe I would tell a lot of other Christians in the church, have faith in God as you proceed on this adventure and keep God with you. And, you know, do what, what you feel God is leading you towards and ask God to give you you know, that bravery and that willingness and that boldness to put yourself out there and to try this. And because that's what you really have to do. Yeah. Tom, you ready for the lightning round? I, I think we are about ready for the lightning round. So how does this work, James? We're just going to like kind of... You're gonna well, I just, I just ask a bunch of questions. Uh, we'll take, uh, I don't know, um, a short time uh, to answer them. And then, uh, and then I'll... Uh, Give, tell you what I think in a short time. So, um, all right, you ready for the first question? Okay, shoot. All right, Tom, what does it mean to be yourself? Okay, so being yourself, I think this is a piece of advice that a lot of people give. This is another common popular 
phrase that I think needs to be debunked because I don't agree with it. Yeah, I think if you you can't just be yourself. I mean, not to say don't try to become someone else or put on a costume or be fake, but yourself as you are right now, assuming you're a person who is struggling with your dating life or is single and you want to change that, you want to find a date, you want to find a spouse, you, you, if you're having past bad results with your dating or not getting dates, you, you can't just be yourself anymore. You're going to have to not become someone completely fake or different, but you're going to have to improve yourself. You're, yes, you're yes, there you go. Improvement. You can't just be yourself because right now, to be honest, yourself isn't good enough. You, yes, you, I think I think be yourself. There, there's hope. You can work on yourself, and and that's some of the tips we've given out here and talked about. Um, that that's what you need to do. So no, that's that's another like common phrase. Like oh, just be yourself. Like I think that's like another common thing that people who have experience with dating or already married like to say, yeah, the reality I, is for a lot of other people, if you're, if you're dateless and you're well, stuck, no, you can't just be yourself. Be yourself is one of the most um, cliched overused phrases in our culture. I think we need to alter that phrase. Um, not don't be yourself, but be your best self because if you just be yourself, if I wanted to be myself, I would dress like a slob and pick my nose. Okay, that's not good enough, but I need to be my best self. So be yourself actually equals be your best self. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If I wanted to be my natural self, I would want to stay inside 24-7 and read books and play my guitar and, you know, look, watch baseball games, <laughs> look at baseball stats and yeah, yeah, yeah. A, lot okay. of, a lot of other antisocial things. I have an introverted temperament, and so it's actually not my natural self to go out and, and yeah. be really social. It is something that I have to kind of Tom do, uh, to do. Tom, do, uh, do nice guys finish last? Yes, they do. Um, you, that's also kind of like another really commonly used phrase, but... Um, I think speaking for men, yeah, you you don't want to be too overly accommodating or too overly available. Um, when you're pursuing women, um, you need to pull back a little bit. You, if you if you message her and she messages back, wait a little bit, wait an hour before you respond to her message. Um, right. Don't be over eager. Set your own boundaries. Be your own busy person. I think this is another. Um, uh, overused phrase that needs to be rephrased. It's not that nice guys finish last. It's that passive guys finish last. Passive and desperate guys finish yeah. last. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Don't, don't be too over accommodating. Like you said, like be, be your own, take care of your needs too. Right. Be, be self-confident do, do what you need to do. And, and part of the way that you get there, we touched on this is to, be able to generate multiple options um, to, to be able to know you if this if this girl you, you just met a girl you got her number you call her she doesn't answer you, maybe you've texted a little bit but then she flaked or didn't respond to your text and you're getting nervous that's that's gonna happen but if you have if you know you can go meet other women and get another girl's number or maybe you already got another girl's number um, you know, that's where you get that kind of confidence from is, you know, you can generate another option and, and not get so overworked up because, you know, oh my God, it's been, you know, two hours and this girl didn't respond to my, my call, you know? Yeah, 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 definitely. Tom, next question. Does height matter? Height definitely does matter. Um, it, it matters to men um, or, or, or to women, for men. Um, women generally like guys who are at least their height or taller. Um, it's, it just kind of goes back to our, you know, the way our human race has evolved going back to really early times when it, when survivalism was about sheer physical brute strength and, you know, females, females are the weaker sex. They are certainly the weaker sex physically. And so you know, they, they are kind of just programmed to like guys who are 
who are bigger, stronger, taller than themselves. There are exceptions, uh, especially if you actually, if you actually get to taller girls is where you actually find more open-mindedness about height, or at least in my experience. I'm five foot nine, I'm an average height guy, and I have actually sometimes, I almost feel like I wanna say I find it easier when I approach girls who are around my height, who are you know pretty tall girls, like five eight, five nine. I think when girls get taller, they realize they have less options for height, and so they become a little more flexible or you even yeah. see some tall girls dating a guy who is shorter than them. So there are yeah. exceptions. Yeah, and this um, is another this is another uh, reason why um, uh, dating Korean women has benefited me because um, a Korean woman is more likely to understand that Korean men are in general shorter uh, and and with and is okay with the height that I am. Uh, um, and you're right. Uh, I'm I have no chance. I, it feels like. I have no chance with white women who are around five eight, five nine, but uh, six feet and up, yeah, I do see a little bit more openness because they they know that they can't insist on dating someone who is I don't know six five and up. Uh, so, um, and I have dated uh, more than one woman who is six feet and up. Both times I did it though, I did it. Uh, I gathered some intel first. I flat out directly asked them, "Are you okay with dating somebody shorter?" Um, just uh, just flat out ask them that, that honestly uh, up front, and if they're okay with it, great. Then uh, uh, you can have a good time. Uh, Tom, Tom, next question: um, Is interracial dating harder? Um, I've I've already expressed this uh, interracial dating. I think most people uh, they say that they're open to interracial dating to look politically correct and not racist. Um, in in practice, though, I don't I don't think people are as open to it as they say they are. I think uh, people in general just have better rapport with people that share their culture. What do you think? I, I think generally speaking, you're more likely to share more in common with someone who's the same ethnicity as you. That's true. Um, I, I believe interracial couples happen not just nowadays, but they've been happening for hundreds, thousands of years. If you look in history, there's there's been interracial dating, um, you know, it does happen. Um, and they do work out. So I, I'm not against interracial dating, but I think that if you are going to get into an interracial relationship, I've been in a few interracial relationships myself and definitely a big takeaway that I got from them is you, you have to be willing to understand that your partner does come from kind of a different background from you and, and does see some things differently from the way you do. You see things differently from the way they do. And, and there is going to be that added layer of complexity as a result of that. Like you said, you know, you're a Korean American guy and there's some things about you and your family and your parents that really only a Korean girl would understand. Um, you know, I'm a white American man of European descent and, you know, there, there are some things about me that only another white woman, a white American or maybe a certain white European woman would understand about me. It's, it's very true that, and, and so on that point, I think if you are going into an interracial dating experience or an interracial partner, I think you gotta be aware of that and be willing to accept that there's going to be that additional layer of complexity where you're gonna have to ask yourself, am I okay with this other person's culture and their family? Yeah. Am I okay with these little nuances and cultural differences that sometimes she's not gonna get these things about me and I'm not gonna get these things about her? Are you okay yeah. with the fact that your kids will be mixed race? Are you okay with the fact that you might not be able to pass on your culture to the next generation? Exactly. Yeah. 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 You got to think about your children and, um, you know, how do you want to raise them? Do you want them to be kind of bicultural? Um, you know, or, you know, if you get divorced, you know, I'm just talking about the worst case scenario here, but they do happen. Say you get divorced. Um, you know, and the wife gets custody of your kids, your kids are probably going to take up the culture of your wife and, yeah. and not yours. So, However, from a Christian perspective, um, they might take on the culture of the mom, but they studies show they take on the religion of their dad. So uh, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. Um, yeah, so that's something I've heard. So dads, you know, be there for your children. Um, next question, uh, Tom, what's, what's the maximum age difference? That, that you would be willing to date? 
Um, th this really gets vague the older you get, I experience. Um, people, say, people say that there's no such a thing. I'm not, I'm not witnessing that. Um, I, I've, I've witnessed a younger women say I'm too old for them. So people say that there's no such a thing, but, um, you know, especially thanks to me too, like I'm very concerned that if I, if I try to date somebody who's like 23, for example, that I might come across as a creep because I'm 39. So Tom, what's your take on this? Um, my take is that the older you become, the more irrelevant that if there exists a rule, the more irrelevant that rule becomes. When you're younger, I mean, you know, if you're in high school, you're going to want to date other people who are in high school. If you're, you know, if you're in college, you're going to probably date other people that are college age. Really, after we're no longer students and we're into the working life, adult life, I, I think it becomes, it, the older you get, this, the more vague this becomes. I mean, yeah, I, okay. I could give myself a hard number and say, I'll only date girls who are my age or 10 years younger. But if I met a girl who's 12 years younger than me and we really connected. Why um, stop that? Yeah, why stop that? Okay. So th Tom, this is, Tom, is a lack of dating experience a red flag to you? Um, I, I do think it is kind of a little bit of a red flag because um, if you're dating someone and they have no relationship experience, they're you know, they're more likely to be naive. They're more likely to difficult to, you know, be able to work things out with. Um, yeah, there's, there, there is kind of a happy medium of wanting to meet someone who has at least a little bit of experience who maybe knows something about dating and about themselves, but not too much experience. Yeah. What I mean. um, if, you, if you get a number, should you wait three days before calling it? No, definitely not. Um, yeah, that's an obsolete rule. I, that was back. That was back before uh, cell phones. Um, yeah. That was back when everyone had landlines, and you don't want to disturb that person's family. And uh, it was a slower culture back then. Now, in an era of texting, uh, three days is an eternity. Yeah, I, I think after the year twenty ten or twenty twelve, somewhere thereabouts, whenever it was that we all transferred over to smartphones. Um, and pr practically everyone had at least one social, one or more social media accounts, that, that rule just definitely no longer applies. I, when I meet women and, and go on a date and a date night, if I am interested in them, I will message them or call them. Actually, most people don't answer the phone nowadays, especially a lot of certain younger women. Um, but I will definitely text or call them the very next day, like, you know, 24 hours. I'll wait till the next evening. Yeah, yeah. How about how about like in between the first and second date? How how often are you communicating? Are you communicating every day, or are you still playing it cool? Well, I I think in the first few dates you, you don't want to be communicating every day. Um, you know, my advice to both guys and girls would be, you know, this gets back to like, do nice guys finish last? Like, you you don't want to be too available or too over accommodating. You don't want to appear desperate. I mean, for girls, especially, you don't want to appear desperate. Uh, guys don't like a girl who is too pressuring or desperate, or it'll even feel like you're stepping on my toes if you're a girl and you're messaging me a lot or telling me where to meet you for the next date. And if you're a guy, you know, you, you also want to be yourself. Don't look overly accommodating. Don't be too available. The reality is, you know, women, women are like cats. They're curious creatures. And, um, you know, give it a little bit of time, wait a day or two, you know, in the early phases of the early dates when you're is, getting to know one another. Is ghosting always wrong? Yeah, you know, ghosting happens nowadays. Um, I think if it's been only one date or maybe two dates, like say you had just one date and you, you both could tell it's, yeah, this is kind of a no-go. There's no harm after that, and just you know, never saying anything after that. Yeah, um, I think I think that is the communication to never say anything after that. I think if you've gone on several dates, you do owe an explanation. But if it's just one date, I think no no communication is the communication. If it's just one phone call or you guys barely chatted on the app, 
no communication is the communication. And, you know, I, I want to quote um, something that um, a, a dating coach named uh, Katie Sir um, has uh, taught me. Um, the, her quote is, the expectation of communication must be proportionate to the established relationship. So in other words, if you guys, if there's been several dates, then yes, you own explanation. But after a first date, you guys are still strangers. You don't really owe that much. Um, so um, that's, that's Katie Sir. Um, Katie underscore Sir is her Instagram. She's a, she's a dating coach uh, that um, specializes in helping uh, men get their, their first dates. Um, and uh, she, she is also writing a book called Become a First Date Expert. Dating doesn't have to suck. That's Katie underscore Sir, S-I-R on Instagram. Um, uh, let's see. Um, how, where do you take a woman on a first date? Um, well, this, this is something that I've learned. And actually, another guy friend of ours um, also mentioned this to me. Um, I, I think a great first date is it, it needs to happen at nighttime. You need to do it after when it's dark out after 7 p.m. And I, I think a good first date idea, like even if it's a girl you've met online and you've been just talking on a dating app, or if it's a girl you met in person at church or at work or school, wherever, I, I think the first date should be a date. I, in my own personal experiences of trial and error, I have found that it works better for me if I arrange with the woman, you know, let's meet for a date. You know, I usually choose a weekend since, you know, I'm going to be tired from work on work days. Um, weekends usually tend to be people are more upbeat and more relaxed and have more time. So I usually plan like actually a Friday or Saturday, sometimes maybe a Sunday night. Um, and meet them after dark and meet them at a restaurant, find a cool restaurant. Um, you know, it depends maybe upon what kind of food you like, maybe ask the girl, you know, what kind of, if do they have any diet restrictions? I, I usually do that because a lot of people, a lot of girls actually do nowadays, you know, have restrictions or don't eat meat or something. But um, my, my go-to first date idea in my city, I, I live in a major city, I live in Chicago, so I have lots of options, but I, I definitely have some cool go-to first date ideas. And it's usually, you know, go to a cool restaurant that's not too fancy, not too expensive, um, but, you know, like a cool place with some cool decor. There's some neat ethnic restaurants that I like to take girls to that I've gone on first dates with. Um, where you have kind of like a cool ambiance and it's after dark. And so it feels like this is a romantic date. Mm, this, I've, I've been on dates with girls in the past where, uh, you know, it's kind of like whenever I can fit you into my schedule, I, as, as my, that was my old approach to it. I used to be like, as soon as I can get this girl to meet me, you know, like, okay, three o'clock Sunday afternoon, let's meet at Starbucks near where, you know, you live or, or if it's on a weekday, let's meet at five o'clock after you're done with work at Starbucks. You know, it's that you don't really want to do that, even if it's a girl you met online. I know there's some people out there who disagree with me on this, but you know, there's some people will say like, well, you got to meet somewhere safe, especially if you're meeting them the first time and you met online. I, a restaurant after dark is still relatively safe as if it's in a, you know, safe neighborhood, assuming, um, you know, you want it to feel like a date, you know, you want it to feel like it's romantic and like, this isn't just, let's just be friends. If you're meeting at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday afternoon at, at Pete's coffee and tea, that, that just really reeks of like, so, whatever. You know? So like, I have a, I have a different take on this. Thanks to, thanks to Katie, sir. And uh, she has said in various podcasts, uh, if you follow her Instagram, she has said in various podcasts, uh, uh, no, co no coffee, no restaurants, um, because it is, um, in basic, long story short, it is too much staring at each other, and the act of eating together is a little too uh, intimate, and it's, and it's too much staring, and what if it goes awkward? So basically, reduce the amount of time. If I had to um, do my take on this, it can still be a coffee or a restaurant, 
but reduce the amount of time that you spend staring at each other. So follow that up with a walk. So, you know, um, so I am going to go on a, a date where um, we are going to get coffee, but we are going to follow that up with, uh, with a walk along the bike path uh, of a beach. Um, it's just so that we spend uh, less time having to stare at each other and more time, you know, sharing an activity and, um, you know, the conversation can perhaps flow better if we're not so uh, worried about staring at one another. Yeah, yeah. And I would just add to that, like my advice, like I, I think that is possible too. It depends upon your personality. Um, I, I've tried the going for a walk thing first with a girl and then sitting down for coffee. Um, I, I found for me that going for a walk doesn't work as quite as well because maybe it's just my style or my personality. I'm, I'm a little more reserved, but I, for me on a first date, I do like to sit down face to face, but I, but I make it a little more casual. I like to, and I would recommend this too, to anyone, um, you know, order a light meal, like share an appetizer, you know, go to dinner, but like order an appetizer, you know, keep it a light meal, eat something earlier in the day so you're not too hungry. And, you know, that's also why you want to choose like kind of a neat restaurant, you know, if you can choose like maybe an ethnic restaurant, you can talk about cool dishes on the menu that can maybe lead to a cool travel story. You know, if you're at like a, a Latin restaurant, maybe you're looking at Cuban food and you can talk about your you know, I don't know, your vacation to Cuba or, or somewhere interesting, and that leads to a neat conversation or, or a neat observation. Yeah. All right. So uh, last question, I'm going to combine these two. How much, how far into the dating do you kiss and how far into the dating do you have the defining the relationship conversation? Okay. So, yeah, I... I think that for different people, there might be different answers for this. I will generally say, as we, you know, have discussed in this podcast, um, you know, like the I kiss dating goodbye thing and like waiting until the altar to kiss. I really don't recommend that because like we talked about, you know, like sexual compatibility, physical chemistry, it is real and it is important. And, um, you know, so, a, you know, a little kiss or, you know, even a little bit more passionate kissing at some point is probably going to happen. I, I really think that whenever you feel you're ready, you know, you, you can kiss the girl. Um, I, it's usually the guy that initiates the kiss, but it's also the girl who kind of signals when she's ready to be kissed. And as a guy, you know, you got to kind of recognize a little bit when she's ready to be kissed. My my go-to for this is to touch her, touch her on the shoulder, touch her on the back, or, you know, play with her hair a little bit, like compliment her on her hair, like this looks nice. The touch if, escalation, as many yeah, dating coaches say. If, if the girl is, is willing to let you touch her hair without backing away, she, she's comfortable with you, and, and she's ready probably for you to kiss her at that point. Yeah. Um, and then as far as, you know, defining, you know, DTR, define the relationship, um, I, I think you've got to go through several dates to get there. Um, you know, I, I think at least a string of dates to, to learn about each other and, and to gather enough information. Um, you know, you want to learn about each other's background. You want to learn about each other's values. You, you want to make sure the person you're dating is who they say they are. Um, you also want to, you know, talk to the other person. I mean, you can do this right away as soon as you meet, but I think even during the dates that you go on, you want to confirm this. You need to, you need to understand like what, what are you looking for and make sure that they're, you know, looking for what you're looking for. And so I, I think it's a series of dates that you go on and, um, you know, assuming you're going out like roughly once a week. I think within two months, three months, you should know if, you know, this is someone that you want to, you know, start dating and like we're boyfriend and girlfriend now, um, you know, because otherwise if it's, if that's not what you're feeling, then, then you got to be real and you got to cut it off. Yeah. Well, um, Tom, uh, this has been a lot of fun sharing our, uh, 
all the uh, insights and experiences we've gained over the years of uh, being friends. And um, thank you so much for um, being so open and honest and uh, willing to share and uh, uh, coming on to my show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, James. And yeah, to anybody listening out there, you know, I, I hope this was helpful to you. Um, you know, I hope, we'll, I hope it was, we're got, both you and I, James, are guys, obviously, but if you're a girl even, I hope this was somehow helpful to you. I hope that our candidness and, and bluntness in talking about some of these topics you know, these are, these are hard topics to talk about. And I think that's, you know, part of the problem of why this has happened in the church of people at church, you know, the, the clergy, the pastors, you know, the inside church people and the people in the congregation themselves, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of a shy or afraid to talk about these personal and, and, you know, hard to talk about things, but you know, hopefully, James, hopefully you and me sharing a little bit about our own selves personally and, and some of the stuff we've gotten into here, you know, I hope it, it helps people out there. And, and, you know, if I could just summarize as a closing thought, you know, don't, don't be afraid to talk about these things in church or with your church group or with, you know, if you're not that comfortable with it, you know, find people that you are comfortable with, your close friends, your family, you know, it's, it's, um, I don't think it's just your own thing to figure out who, you know, how you're going to go about your dating life. I mean, ultimately, it does come down to you nowadays, but, but don't be afraid to talk to other people, find other trusted people and, and discuss these things to, you know, to help figure out your dating life and, and go about finding, you know, finding what you want. It's too difficult of a struggle, Tom, to go had it as a lone ranger. And uh, I'm, you know, I hope that, uh, like with other episodes I've done, that um, although we have been very open and honest, if um, our openness um, and the stuff that we're saying is helping just one person live his or her life or her life better, then um, if we just help one more person, then it's all been worth it. So uh, thank you so much, Tom. And uh, I hope to have you back again for uh, more episodes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. Yeah, thank you, James. Thank you so much.